It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. For logbook servicing you can rely on, you need to make the right choice. You need trained professionals who are fully qualified to service your car according to manufacturer's specifications. For real peace of mind and a nationwide warranty, book in or book online at repcoservice.com. Sunday crunch time. Jasmine has it. Oh, he's kicks a bit heavy. He's left too much out there. Ralph Smith picks it off. Hugo Ralph Smith. Right foot kick around the body. The Tigers are in front. For the first time tonight, the Tigers lead. The ball spilt free and making the most of the opportunity, Judson Clark to score the goal. Feeds it to close. Who can run around, snap and score for the Cats. High ball, Cam Guthrie underneath it, beaten by Pickett who gathers and sends it back inside 50. Morris Rioli Jr. takes the mark. Picked one in the first turn. Add this one to the list and the Tigers are back in front. By three points at the MCG. Through centre half forward, Stengel sprints onto it, swivels around, casts it high to full forward. Henry oh. takes the mark. He's plucked it from the evening sky. Jack Henry for the Cats to lead, strikes it. Geelong in front again. He's played predominantly forward all afternoon in his return. It's thrown in. The siren sounds. The Cats hold on for victory at the MCG. Did we just see the game of the year? The Cats hold on to win by three points. A phenomenal game of fluctuations, feistiness and forceful encounters. The three-point win to the Cats, but does it come at a cost? Tom Stewart, what will be his fate? And Dion Prestia will miss next week for the Tigers. Silvani for the Stenia. That'll do the job well. He drops it onto the right boot. He's targeted to Silvani. Almost. Kuno, last man standing in the pack. Grabs at the jumper. He's kicked three. Getting underneath it was Cox. He's done it again. Cox has gone up early. Kuno stayed down. He runs it into the open goal square and gets the crucial first of the last. Bit of razzle-dazzle, Hewitt, better forward. O'Brien can just turn, fire, helicopter, and goal! It's all coming up Carlton now. And off the padding, that's it. On the strength of what we've just seen, Carlton should be considered chief among the contenders. They take the Dockers by 31 points and what has been a rollicking Saturday afternoon at the footy. Well, Carlton just showed that if you've got an undermanned defence, all you have to do is just make sure that the opposition's midfield can't get their hands on it and then your defence doesn't have a worry. And Carlton don't have many at the moment either. They are just percentage outside the top four and they announce themselves as the must-watch team in the run home in 2022. This is the Sunday edition of Crunch Time.
Ah, yes, indeed. What better way to start off Sunday crunch time with just a simple statement. How bloody good is footy? Super Saturday delivered. What a time it's been so far. So many stories to come out of the round and no better person to go through said stories with than Josh Jenkins. Sam Hargraves in for Nat Edwards. JJ, hello, mate. Good morning, Sam. Good morning to to everyone who's... um tuned in and uh, there's plenty to get through Sam we don't have a moment to spare so uh, let's get stuck in let's get stuck in Uh, we'll just go through the winners of the round so far Thursday night we hark back to um, Melbourne taught Brisbane a a footballing lesson and a midfield lesson Um, they beat them up to the tune of 64 points so much so that I think Brisbane are are lodging a workplace bullying claim with Fair Work Australia that was the extent of the damage done it was brutal in its execution by Melbourne, uh, and they reconfirm their status as the team to beat in 2022. The Western Bulldogs, fourth out of five games where they've tunned up uh, a 42-point win uh, over the Hawks, and plenty to talk about in that game as well, but they've got the toughest run home uh, of any side uh, for the remainder of the season. The Eagles get their second win of the year, the first time they've reached the magical ton this year, and Essendon, uh, what a difference a week makes. A shadow of the side that beat St Kilda uh, only a week ago. And Carlton, we spoke about 31-point win over the Dockers at Marvel Stadium yesterday. Cats was at the game of the year, a three-point win over Richmond. They got out to over 30 points up in the second term. And then um, at about the midway point, I think it was, or the early stages of the last Richmond up by 17 points. And Geelong came back and, and won Tom Stewart and that hit. On Dion Prestia, unfortunately, will be the most talked about part uh, of that game in the aftermath of it. And the Swans, 51-point winners over St Kilda. St Kilda's lowest score since round eight in 2016. They had just two goals on the board until the 20-minute mark of the final term when they kicked their third. It was an embarrassing evening for the Saints in Sydney. Uh, Today's games, North Melbourne and Adelaide, Collingwood and the Giants, and then Port Adelaide and the Suns round out the top eight. So, JJ... Uh, as uh, where would you like to start? Why don't we go through from Thursday night? How are you feeling about the D's uh, after that demolition? Well, I'm feeling good because uh, they were back to their best, and they were back to their best in in a, in a Melbourne type of way, a Melbourne kind of way. It was it was um, their defensive structure and 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 ability to set up behind the ball. It was Stephen May. Taking out Joe Danaher. Danaher was 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 up and about early. Won a few free kicks. Had a few uh, sh- uh, shots on goal early. Had three shots on goal in the first quarter. Could only kick one goal too, and then basically was snuffed out of it by Stephen May. And uh, May's presence. Talk about him in terms of the off-field stuff as much as you want, but let's judge him purely on-field. May's May's ability to make Lever and Harrison Petty better players is is. Is very much. It's very easy to see when you're at the game, and I, I did that game with uh, with uh, the big dogs, Jared and Dwayne. A team Jenkins, I like it. Well, um, well, it, it's so easy to see the confidence that 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 Lever and Petty play with in the air. Lever had 14 intercept possessions, seven or eight intercept marks. He plays the game differently when he knows he's got the big boy. Number one behind him at fullback, who's the goalkeeper, who's who's directing and commanding and setting them up. So that was the element of the game that Melbourne looked uh, most like them, their old self. And we talk about their old self. We're only talking about a month ago. 
the defensive system, and Max Gorn plays a big part in that, so to do it without him mm. was important. And then just their dominance around the footy. Clayton Oliver, uh, he is just on another planet at the moment in terms of his ability to hunt the footy, to get on ground balls, to be impossible to tackle. Petrarca had a, had a more influential game. His numbers have still been okay over the past month, but his influence has been down. He was influential. And Jack Viney, who I gave the three votes to, he was he was just a rampaging bull on Thursday night. He copped a nasty corky uh, on centre wing in front of the members, right on the ITB. One of those corkies that absolutely floors you. And he was closer to the interchange bench than he was the centre bounce. The Ds were up by about 50, and he hobbled his way back to the centre bounce and said, I'm not going off. I'm going back in for another taste, for another lick. And uh, he was just symbolic of what Melbourne brought to the table Thursday night. We can talk about Brisbane, and people can write them off as much as they like, but that game was about Melbourne getting back to their premiership selves. Uh, JJ, the the midfield was astounding to me because clearance numbers and centre clearance numbers favoured Brisbane going in. Um, I listened to Kingy's uh, Champion Data podcast and uh, he'd been speaking in the lead up to this round about um, the, the numbers he had, teams against the top 12 teams in the competition. So in terms of midfield, this was 1v, I think, 5 or 6. Um, Melbourne being the one because of their um, clearance differential in games is the number one uh, in the comp against the top 12 sides and then scoring from clearance, which we'll talk about. So to have the numbers of 11 more clearances in favour of Melbourne, plus 38. Plus 38 in contested possessions. They had 19 more inside 50s, and they scored 77 points from turnover. Even I was just astounded by the the ease in which they were able to win it at the coalface, and then the the breakaway from stoppage was as powerful as I can remember seeing. I haven't seen it like that since the last quarter and a half of the 2022 grand final. And this was 2v1. So you're playing at that point in time, the best team in the comp. And they were made to at times, and, and I, I'm, I have a soft spot for Brisbane. I'm a big fan of what they do and how they go about it and the people involved in that club. But at, it looked like an AFL v VFL contest in the middle. Well, it, it did, and, and powerful is the right word, Sam, and, and you use that word, and that's perfect, and that's the way that you would describe the way that Melbourne went about it around the footy. Viney was powerful. Uh, is that Petrarca the best game you've seen? Sorry to jump. Is that the best game you've seen? He's a very good player, we know. He is. is. that the best game you've seen Jack Viney play? Just the, the numbers-wise, so 34 disposals, 19 contested, eight clearances, 10 inside 50s, eight score involvements, 579, 579 metres for an inside mid. Mm, yeah, it was it, – well, if it's not his best game, it's, it's in the it's in the. And top he might not bus. get the three votes. He might not even vote. He might not even poll. Well, he got the three votes from me. Um, oh, there you go. Not, not that that counts for much, but he got the three votes from me. Uh, I gave Oliver two and Luke Jackson one. Luke Jackson adds a dynamic around the footy. He he yeah. helps with he helps with that that dynamic movement around the ball. Now Max Gorn's the premier ruckman in the game, mm. but Max is not the the athlete that Jackson is in terms of picking nah. up a ground ball, running away, being able to distribute the ball by hand. Jackson really added to that mix in terms of his ability to to run around and to be impactful uh, at ground level. He he had nine tackles. He had a handful of clearances. He ended up with 21 disposals. And the longer the game went, the stronger he he became. So the mix around the footy was absolutely superb. And and they did. They dominated a Brisbane midfield who, to my eye, and in hindsight, it's one or two midfielders short. We can talk about um, 
Matt Crouch's uh, omission again from Adelaide, Brisbane look like they need one or two more midfielders. So, you know, whatever it may be, maybe yeah. they might get themselves in so they order. Had no, and, they had no Dane Zorko and no Zach Bailey. And I know they're not the big bodies, but Zach no. Bailey is their accelerate from stoppage guy. Yeah, and but Bailey, goal Bailey scorer. plays ahead of the footy a yeah, lot. I mean, true. he's one that they probably should get around the ball a bit more. Zorko, they definitely missed. I agree, they missed Zorko. But Zorko, with his body and his age, is getting to a point where you probably want to be less reliant on what he can bring and and that then and his his game be a bonus. I know he's still the captain but mm. but his touches he's, less... he, he's a guy JJ that I've always felt was underrated because if you look at the stats that actually matter in footy now, inside 50 score involvements, where is he involved in the chain that leads mm. to a score, goal assists uh, and those categories and meters per possession he ranks really highly in all of those. So he's such an integral part of what they do and their ability to score because his touches are meaningful. I agree with that. I absolutely agree with that. I think he's a fantastic player and he's undervalued in terms of exactly what you said. He's a mm. metres game guy. He's, he's a runaway from stoppage guy. He's a long kick guy. And he he's a defensive. The guys... So the other, sorry to jump in. I remember when he was getting tagged severely a few years ago and he went and asked Simon Black, what do I do? And he said, well, the only you can't control much about who tags you and when. What you can control is what impact you can have if you can't get the ball. And he has a real defensive tackling, one percenter body mindset where if he can't get the ball, he will do everything he can to deny you. And they really missed a physical stopper, uh, around, uh, just a tackle presence around stoppage. I think even with Zorko in the mix, I still think they're one short. Yeah. They're yep. maybe two short. So whether they look at, again, you know, there's a lot of the season to play out and they might do great things and they might go a long way. They might not. But I think as you always look to evolve your group and improve your squad, I think perhaps another midfielder, you know, Lions went down, so that didn't help. But it is very reliant on Neil and Lions, and then when Zorko's in the side. So I think they need to evolve that group. McCluggage plays, you know, sort of outside, inside, more so outside than inside. So, you know, whether it is a Matt Crouch or somebody uh, or someone or go to the draft and find a couple of midfielders, they look like when the heat was on against the very best midfield in the game, they were found wanting. I don't know who you go to and, and how you make your decisions, but Melbourne made the decision that we will, we will apply harms to Neil. And then we will just we believe then that we've got a distinct advantage if we can quell Lockie Neal. So I was curious, and did you notice anything that that Brisbane were doing to try and quell, whether it be Petrarca, seven hundred and ninety-seven meters, nine inside fifties, nine score involvements, thirty-one disposals, fourteen contested, Oliver, thirty-five, twelve clearances, eleven score involvements, and we've spoken about uh, what Viney um, contributed in the numbers sense as well. Could you see? Anything that they were doing from a tactical point of view, I know it didn't work, but could you see anything they were attempting? Or was this a case of Chris Fagan saying, you know what, for four quarters, I'll just see if, if our style can beat their style, and we've got them again in round 23, so let's just find out how close we are, how above we are, or how far behind we are. And they've found out now, would you expect something different come round 23? Well, I'm not. I'm just not sure what, what, what they're else... You know what other levers there are for them to pull because they Pardon did the dominate. They did dominate the first ten to twelve minutes. They they had every opportunity to to make it three or four goals to one early. They had an opportunity to really uh, stamp their imprint on that game. They kicked inaccurately, which has been an issue for them. It's been something 
We've last couple of weeks, yeah. But it's bad, but it's been it's been in big finals. We're talking yeah. about so qualifying that, yeah. finals against Richmond. But this and year they'd fixed it. Against, this year well, they they'd got that they'd got themselves to the most accurate team in the comp a few weeks ago, but not over they the last had, couple. But we were still wary about what it yeah. looks like in big games. Yep. Standing in front of, you know, Cam Rayner standing twenty meters out from goal on a Thursday night in yeah. front of a hostile Melbourne crowd. He's different to kicking goals. In Brisbane, when you're up by 40 points, it's a different kettle of fish. We hear Andrew Gaze talk about, you know, oh, he's an 85% free throw shooter. Yeah, well, what what percentage is he in the last minute of the game when when yeah. everything's on the line? So that that was the that was the the watch for us. They failed in that regard. They kicked inaccurately. Uh, they they missed some chances. They weren't going to win that game. But you just never know what happens if you can get on top early. If you can force Simon Goodwin and the Melbourne coaching staff to make a change that they don't want to make to change their uh, tactical structure, whether they put an extra around the ball or they protect their back half and put someone back. You just don't know what happens if you can get on top and get the momentum. They couldn't do it. They squandered those chances. And then from there, the most disappointing part for Brisbane, there was no resistance whatsoever. No, and and they're averaging 97.2 points against. So they're ranked 10th in the competition um, for for points against. Um, That's... um, yeah, that that's that's a concern um, with with their defence about where they where they rank currently in terms of how many points uh, they concede, and and just having a look at where they rank. Um, as I said, I listened to that uh, podcast that Kingy does with with the footy and without the footy. Without the footy, they had been ranked uh, going into that round number two in the comp. So that just goes to show you how awesome. And Melbourne with the footy had fallen to fifteenth. So yeah, that's Melbourne, the turnaround. That's that's terrible. the complete 180. The, the analytics didn't predict any of this, which is just, again, how impressive uh, Melbourne were. So 64-point win to the Ds. They're a game clear on top of the ladder, three straight losses, and then if there's ever a way to, to silence critics, um, that is the way. Beware uh, a champion team scorned. Um, we've got so much to get through. We're going to be joined uh, at 11.30 by uh, assistant coach of the Adelaide Crows, Nathan Van Burlow. So looking forward to catching up with NVB. To the Western Bulldogs, five out of six now, JJ. Um, 52 points they scored from stoppage. Clearly that's where they're at their best. A 42-point win against the Hawks. The Hawks had the better of it early, and then from the second quarter on, it was just all the Western Bulldogs. What impressed you? Well, exactly that. They've been up and about around the footy. They've been able to. We know they've got a potent midfield. They've got a, well, they've got a prolific midfield that has the potential to be potent. Mm. It's not always potent. Sometimes you can be critical of them for being prolific without being potent. And last or Friday night, excuse me, they were both. Uh, they were able to, as you said, score fifty-two points from stoppage. But they've been consistent in terms of scoring the ball from that source, from the stoppage source. Over the past five or six weeks, they 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 scored eleven goals against the Giants in round fourteen uh, last the last time they played. They were way 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 down on on scores from stoppage against the Cats on that uh, Friday night. If you remember, they only scored fifteen points from stoppage, but before that, seventy two against the Eagles and fifty nine against the Suns. So they've got the ability to be so potent from stoppage. You look at Trelaw running and carrying and having bounces and kicking it inside fifty or kicking goals. You know, you look at McRae being more creative with the disposals that he gets. We always expect him to get 30, but it's when he's creative with that left foot. Bonson Pally can create, can be a guy who's who's 
who's setting it up. He can be the hockey assist guy. He can not necessarily get the direct assist, but the, the second in line assist. And we saw that from them from you know the, 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 the middle stages of the second quarter because they were asleep early. The Hawks were up and about. Mitch Lewis was looking dangerous and uh, the Hawks were looking really good under the roof. But from the, from the middle stages of the second quarter, it was one-way traffic, I think. Was it 13 unanswered goals? It was an extraordinary amount of unanswered goals from the Dogs. And when they play like that, they look really potent. They've still got, they've still got holes. They've still got clear, definable, tangible holes in their squad. Yeah. But when they are so dominant around the ball, they can, similar to what we saw from Carlton, when you're so dominant around the footy, you can mask a few of those issues. I reckon they would have looked at Lewis Young and him holding up Carlton's defence now and thinking... Should we really let that guy go? Absolutely, um, they should have. Uh, let's just mention the hundreds quickly. So, Luke Beveridge, congratulations. First dogs coach to coach 100 wins. Jack McRae becomes the fastest player to have 130-plus disposal games. He's done it in 199. Have a think about that. The fastest player. And look at the accumulators and, and the high disposal getters over the journey. Um, that is a phenomenal effort from, from Jack McRae, uh, multiple All-Australian. And this is the fourth time in five weeks that they've – uh, scored over 100 points. I do want to uh, – their run home, just quickly, um, JJ, before I get to the most humorous part of uh, that evening and maybe the most ridiculous fine handed out by the MRO this year. Their next six games, Brisbane, Sydney, St Kilda, who are out of the eight now but were in it coming into this round, Melbourne, Geelong, Fremantle. You'll know you're alive at the end of that. If you get through that six weeks and you're still in the eight, then all credit to you. Yeah, absolutely. It's a, it's a serious run, isn't it? We get a little caught up in whose fixture looks like what, but on face value, uh, you're probably not... T- I like to sit back and say, well, let's do... What's I a pass my, mark? Well, I want to do my tips now. Now, a lot of things can happen. Personnel can change, you know, uh, in the positive or in the negative for both sides. But if you sat back and did your tips now, there are not a lot of games where you're tipping them in a head-to-head sense. So... They're going to have to find a way to, to win a few of those games that don't necessarily look like uh, wins for them because they're up, they are still up against it and, and, and there's no room for error for so many of those teams from fifth the, all the way through to 12. So at the moment, you'd say, I'll give you St Kilda and I'll give you, I'll give you Fremantle at Marvel. But I'd expect Brisbane to bounce back against you, although you played great. And that was a phenomenal final last year. Melbourne at Marvel... You'd have Melbourne and Geelong at GMHBA. You'd have Geelong, so you'd give them two, and they've got to find a way to get one. You know, to yeah, they've got to win. They have they ha- they've got to take care of the the two that you've given them. You need thirteen you know, free, wins. Yeah, Fremantle at Marvel's not not going to be easy. No, uh, we've seen them travel and, and have some big big wins this year. But if you give them those two, then they've still got to win. They've got to win at least one of uh, the the other three that you say. You know, Brisbane on the road. Geelong down in Geelong and Melbourne at Marvel. They've got to win at least one of those three to to, to to give themselves a fighting chance. Because also, Sam, it's not just about scraping into eighth. You've got to finish as high as you possibly can to give yep. yourself a realistic chance at it. So, JJ, we've seen a lot of ridiculous things this year. And I'm going to put this up as my clubhouse contender as the most ridiculous sanction that we've seen handed down for the season. So, James Sicily has been charged with misconduct against Aaron Norton in the third quarter. The summary, he can expe- he can accept the $1,000 sanction, $1,500 classification for misconduct, early plea gets it to 1000 This is for ripping off the headband of Aaron Norton in the little scuffle 
little push and shove that occurred. Yes. Is the AFL that hard up for cash that you're issuing fines for people removing headbands? This is a laugh. This is embarrassing to have put this up. I'm wondering, are we going to issue retroactive fines now to Cameron Clayton from Essendon and Kevin Ablett from Hawthorne from back in the 80s for doing the same thing to Bruce Dool? Um, I reckon we set up a GoFundMe page for James Sisley. I don't think he has to pay that. Or we set up a GoFundMe page for the AFL because if you're that strapped for cash that you're handing out fines that stupid, then you must, you must be a little bit hard up. I... Um... I would have, I would have given him a, I would have said to James Sisley, uh, "Don't do that again, or I will find you." I don't have a huge problem with. The no, fine. it's just. Well, like, what happens if you throw someone's mouth guard away? <laughs> you shouldn't have lost your mouth guard. I've well, seen play, you, throw a shoe over the fence. Oh, it's a bit of gamesmanship, yeah, a, isn't it? Like kick. it's a bit of that's mucking. A free kick. That's a free kick against for throwing someone's boot away. Charlie Cameron got a free kick against for for. I don't have a huge. I don't think he should have been fined. I think you can, no. You could cop a letter during the week and say, "Look, mate, don't." There's no. What, what Jack McRae, They were all laughing about it after the game. The Bulldogs players found it very funny. Well, I don't think Aaron Norton found it too funny. No, well, at the I time he didn't. I don't understand. I don't. What need is there for James Sisley to grab the headband? What? Why does he need? <laughs> it's to It's a do bit that? of gamesmanship. It's just a bit of back and forth. I mean, you we've. Become, we, and for a lot of the right reasons, we're becoming very sanitised. But there's some things that surely we can just ha- laugh off and say that was enter- that was entertaining. That was you know that was a bit cheeky, a little bit feisty. I no, I'm not. I don't. I wouldn't have fined him, but I would have said if you do it again, you get a fine. I would have. Uh, abso- I, I don't. I it's fun don't police need, stuff. It's fun police see, stuff. I don't see the need for him to. Uh, to do it at all, uh, he he. Um, the AFL are more than happy to find players. The players have got an absolute view uh, across the board that 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 the AFL, if in doubt, will 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 slap you with a fine and uh, and ask you to pay that uh, straight away. And that is for those who think, oh, he'll never have to pay it. Make no mistake, the uh, the football manager or or the admin person at the club, they come looking for you by Tuesday or Wednesday to to have that fine paid. So that absolutely gets paid straight away. So James Sicily will be a thousand lights, unless he takes it on. Uh, take it on. To, take it on. Win those, you don't win those either. I don't know anyone who's ever won a, 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 won a gone to the tribunal and fought a fine because, uh, again, you're taking money out of the AFL's pocket. So um, we can agree to disagree to an extent. I'm not all the way against you. This is like the, this is like the mate that, that offers you a lift somewhere they're already going and then puts their hand out for fuel money. This is tight arsery. Well, that's that. Yeah, that from the AFL's point of view. It is absolutely, absolutely. I won't disagree with. Get you a sense that. of humour. Get a uh, sense of humour, or issue a fine to those other blokes that I mentioned, Cameron Clayton and Kevin Ablett. Retroactive. Well, I don't think you could get fined back then, could you? <laughs> no, it wasn't a part of the game. <laughs> no, it wasn't. Hey, plenty more still to go through. We've only got through two games. That's how good a round this has been, and there's a heap to come from it. We'll touch on West Coast and Essendon, but Super Saturday. Served up uh, some superb uh, scenarios, uh, alliteration intended. We'll get through all of those. But up next, we'll speak to Adelaide Crows assistant coach Nathan Van Burlow. You're listening to Sunday Crunch Time. Sam Hargraves, Josh Jenkins. Welcome to Crunch Time. Uh, you're listening to Crunch Time for Thirsty Camel Bottle Shops. Answer the camel's call, Thirsty Camel Bottle Shops. Uh, text us anytime, 0433 98 uh, uh, At the moment, JJ, for our really, really heated 
and serious debate about the James Sisley Aaron Norton headband saga. Issued a thousand dollar fine. Um, probably a debate that belongs more uh, during a presidential campaign or uh, a, pro- a, a prime ministerial election in Australia. But we'll have it here instead. Uh, just off the text, so really has split the consta- uh, the constituency. Uh, Josh is right. Otherwise, it escalates to other things. Is one text. And another text says, why is he wearing a headband in the first place? Get a haircut. So really uh, has engaged yeah. <laughs> the listeners I substantially, actually, I, JJ. I agree with both. I, uh, it's, uh, it's a revolting haircut. Uh, oh, I, I actually like his hair too. I, um, he's, <laughs> hey, he's one of my favourite players, so I feel yeah. like I can, I can actually uh, slap him with a revolting haircut. Sure. Um, uh, but uh, yeah, it's not a it's not a great look. But he chooses to wear a headband. If it was good enough for Bruce Dahl, who had no hair and no yep. reason to wear a headband, then it's good enough for Aaron Norton, who has a mop of hair. So uh, it is a, it is a it is a fair question. Um, but uh, if he chooses to wear it, he shouldn't have to go and fetch it because someone's thrown it. But I'm happy to leave that uh, conversation about the headband at any stage, Sam. Well, why don't we do that now? Uh, we've still okay. got so much to talk about from the round that's been, but the round to come, um, there's still some important games. And even for those who aren't in contention with the top eight, there's a pride on the line game. And it's ironic, this the scenario we've had this round, Josh Jenkins, where the top eight teams are all playing another top eight team. It's only the fifth time it's happened. Uh, one of the times was in 1998, uh, when in that round, North Melbourne and the Adelaide Crows played. Wayne Carey put on a masterclass and North Melbourne got the win. But later that year, it was Adelaide Crows that got the ultimate win uh, and won the grand final. So just a little connection from yesteryear uh, to the round here. But this is about pride. North Melbourne looking for their second win of the year. Uh, and the Crows have lost six out of their last seven. And they haven't won down in Tassie since 2005. They've got a 1-7 and seven record in the Apple Isle. Uh, so it hasn't been a happy hunting ground for them to tell us how they're going to go about uh, correcting that stat line. Nathan Van Burlow, the midfield coach of the Crows, has been good enough to jump on. Uh, hello, Nathan. Good morning, guys. Thanks for having me. Uh, our pleasure. Numbers don't bode well. Um, is that uh, anything that's been factored in at all to your preparation for this week? Uh, are you talking to our record down here or our yeah. recent form more so? Well, uh, record hey, down, oh, feel we free have... to speak on both, Nathan. Feel free to okay. speak on both. Oh, look, recent form down here, I mean, that's we haven't played down here for with this playing group for a number of years, yeah. so it's, it's really hard to, to reference that. Um, and more, more um, I guess, recently, our, our recent form has been um, not where we'd like it to be in certain areas of our game, but um, I guess the, the pleasing thing we've taken out of the majority of our contests in the last seven weeks, albeit we've lost six of them, is that we've been right in, in the game uh, right up until that last quarter. And it's been not through lack of effort or necessarily system, it's been our own polish with ball in hand and ability to finish off our work that has ultimately cost us in a lot of those games. So uh, that's been a big work on for us. So um, our challenge today is to make sure we, we maintain that rage around the contest because um, that's been a strong point of our game. But um, also have a mind to you know, defending really strongly and finishing off with ball in hand. Nathan, good luck uh, this afternoon against the Kangas. Uh, you, I think everyone acknowledges that you, you, your team plays with great spirit and mm. hunger and, and, and you play with vigour. But from the outside looking in, perhaps you don't necessarily have the threats or you haven't developed the threats that you need to, to, to put the finishing touches on. Is that... How you see it at the moment, everything you know that you want to do and, and that the coaches are applying is being adhered to, but you're just not quite able to get the finishing touches or the reward for effort. Is that how you see you guys uh, uh, performing at the moment? 
Yeah, it's, look, that's a that's a really fair summation of where things are at at the moment, and I guess our our major work ons. Um, yeah, we've got a lot of areas within our game, but um, at the moment, as I said before, we've we're, do, we're doing a lot of the, the heavy lifting in terms of defending the ground, defending the game, and, and winning our own fair share of ball around the contest, around stoppage, um, and you know even going back to last week. Um, while we went down by 43 points in the end, it was you know 13 points with six minutes to go, and you know we made a conscious decision to open the game up to try and win the game, and it goes the other way for us, unfortunately. But there were multiple times last week. You can think back to St Kilda, Brisbane, even Geelong, where we scored zero goals six in the first quarter, and um, again that, that polished those missed opportunities when we do get ourselves in a position to finish off our work has been um, has been disappointing. And I guess to the boys' credit. Um, They've maintained a real positive optimism around, okay, we're doing a lot of things right. Um, We just need to keep working on finishing off our work. So hopefully um, today we can see uh, some of that hard work come to fruition. Talk to us about Matt Crouchy. Uh, Numbers-wise, he was was, was fine last week, 31 disposals, seven tackles, seven clearances that, you know, to the, to the, to the untrained eye, which we are in terms of what you guys are looking for. He looks like he had a really strong game, but, Talk to us uh, about why he's been left out of the side and, and what you guys are looking for from him for him to regain his spot. Yeah, look, I mean, Matt's been a, a really important player for us and um, there's never been any question around his, his ability to win the ball inside and bring the heat around the contest and, and, and win the ball at stoppage. So um, he did that really well last week and has done for a number of weeks and um, we've set the challenge for Matt to, to work on his outside game with... I guess with ball in hand, the ability to hurt the opposition on the outside, which is where a lot of the game is now as a as a midfield group. So um, a really tough call made during the week, but um, the decision this week is to to bring the likes of, of Harry Schonberg in, who can hopefully challenge North Melbourne uh, inside and outside. Um, and it was great to see you know Matt go back with a positive attitude yesterday and respond strongly in the SNFL. So um, that competition for spots um, is certainly there, and um, yeah, it's going to mean for some conversations in the in the weeks to come around what our mix looks like. He had 42 disposals yesterday in the sample, but uh, Nathan, it's an interesting one, isn't it? When you dig a little bit deeper into those numbers, and, and, and that's why it's a really interesting uh, conversation around Matt, and not to pile on Matt, but when you look at those 27, only nine were contested, and then you talked about wanting him to do more damage outside. 16 of those possessions were handballs, so it seemed to me, calling that game, that he was almost the intermediary between the initial contested ball winner and the eventual clearance player. So he's almost um, not an unnecessary link in that chain, but a lot of that is, um, you know, maybe the the extra possession instead of the actual clearance on the outside that maybe you were looking for. Yeah, again, I yesterday we were, our flight time was right in the middle of the SNFL game, so I haven't had a chance to have a look back. I've only oh, no, had last a, week. I mean, these game last week oh, last, against the Suns. Oh, yeah. last week, sorry, in the AFL. Yeah, yeah. Look, it's it's been a work on for you know for for Matt and our the rest of our midfield group around how we become more damaging with with ball in hand and that outside play that I've already spoken about. So, yeah, look, last week we had some challenges, and with the likes of Tuke Miller, you know, Dave Swallow, Noah Anderson, and Matt Rowe, we got. Um, Exposed heavily, and it wasn't just through individuals, but it was as a collective through the through the midfield um, on the outside in particular. So that was something that we've we've focused on this week, and the challenge is out for the rest of the midfield group um, that's going to play today. That they need to be, you know, I guess minded both ways and, and running hard in, in both directions to make sure that we can we can challenge and have our fair share.
What uh, what's what's important when you come up against the Kangaroos? VB, they you know we know they've had their struggles, but they're strong in the ruck with their with their two-headed monster in the ruck, Nick Larky. Uh, he averages 2.7 goals a game against the Crows. That's his best return against any side. So, uh, are they the primary threats, uh, threats for you guys uh, when you're assessing your opposition? Yeah, JJ, we've sort of we've done a fair bit of work during the week on on making sure that our our contest work is is at the level because we identify you know their midfield group is is highly talented and um, you know pretty clear that their uh, their rebuild's been focused on building from the midfield out and you can see the talent they've got that roll through there and with the experience of some of the guys they have too it's going to be a, a big challenge for us and if we are able to to win or halve that battle it means that we can play the game in in our front half which we believe if we're able to do that and lock the ball in in that area of the ground that we can really really challenge them so that's going to be um, off the back of our contest work and then our ability to defend the ground and make sure that we can uh get the game on, on our terms in that regard. So um, it's going to be a good challenge for us. As um, as Josh pointed out, Nathan, love the fact that, that your midfield might not have, you know, the, the, the players with their name up in lights, but they hunt. They are, you know, they are as competitive as, as, as any group uh, in the competition. Notice last week that there was a lot of a lot of handball. I'm just wondering when you addressed it after the game, you were plus 81 in disposals, plus 87 in handballs but we're minus 18 and inside 50. So is that something that you address during the week and say maybe we're just a couple too many and we've got to get moving inside a little bit better and get more reward for the effort that we're putting in at the coalface? We're winning it. It's just that we might be mucking around with it. Was that part of the review and how do you address it going forward? Yeah, it was. Um, from a midfield point of view, definitely was. Um, we, I mean, the week prior with West Coast, before the bye, we, um, the conditions weren't conducive at all to, to use to be using handball around the contest, but our guys found a really good balance of, mm. of using the numbers around the contest, which allowed us to, to give our forwards a better chance ahead of the ball. Um, and it's been one of the challenges for this young group that we've got is our ability to give our forwards the best chance. And at times that is using the extra number at stoppage or using our hands so that then they can either reset forward or they can compete better on the ball. So we're still working through fi- trying to find the right times to when you just go direct at the game or when you use those numbers around stoppage. And, and yeah, there were some examples last week where we didn't get it right, other times where we did get it right and challenged the oppo. So that's a bit of our, our work on with a young group. But um, yep. as you said, their, their ability to bring the, the contest work and their effort and hunger around that is, is one of our hallmarks of our game and it's expected that we bring that again today. Uh, VB, my Adelaide sources and spies tell me that uh, the man with the huge ears, Taylor Walker, has got a little bit of a, a calf niggle. What's the latest with Tex? Will he be right to go this afternoon? Yeah, he's uh, he's all good to go, JJ. Um, he's uh, yeah, He trained yesterday with us and he's pulled up all right. He's just walking down the race now and giving me a thumbs up. You good to go, Tex? JJ's just asking. Yep, yep, you're good to go. I'm on the I'm interview, mate. Yeah, he said he's yeah, I was going to say, just, just, be, just be careful. Just be careful yeah, what he stopped. says. <laughs> you maybe yeah, should have no, led with the right. fact that you're an interview no, first, VB. <laughs> no, he's all right. No, he's good to go. So, uh, yeah, hopefully. He's a, he's, a, he's a big barometer for our side, so I'm hoping that um, yeah. Yeah, he brings his best today and we can, we can bring him into the game with the way that we play. And his partner in crime, Darcy Fogarty, showed a bit over the past yeah. couple of weeks. 
The thing for Darcy, I was just having a look, he's never had 15 disposals or he's never reached 15 disposals in a game. So I know it's not necessarily your role, it's James Raleigh's role, but how do you guys go about trying to get him more involved? Because his involvements in the game are really positive. He's just not necessarily yep. able to get involved enough. Yeah, that's, um, I know that's been a lot of um, the focus for, for Darcy. It's not necessarily increasing the numbers, but it's how he can impact the game. And he's put a lot of work in um, when he's been out of the side this year in terms of his ability to compete aerially and really launch at the ball, which I think we've seen um, huge improvements in that over the last month of footy. And it's funny how his impact on the game has, has grown with that as well. And um, over the last couple of weeks, we've been really happy with the role that he's played. And we hope that as that that uh, becomes more consistent in his game and his ability to hit the scoreboard and confidence grows, that those numbers will continue to increase because, as you said, when he gets the ball in hand, um, he makes things happen, whether that be continuing a chain to score or hit the scoreboard himself. So uh, it's been really pleasing to see that the hard work that he's put in has is, is paid off and he's, he's in good form at the moment. Um, and Nathan, you can just be honest, it's just us uh, gals here chatting. Have you uh, and the club just sent any of the... Have your midfielders out with the specific instruction of trying to one-on-one recruit Jason Horn Francis? Is anyone just whispering in uh, offers? And well, it's going to be hard to do, Sam. <laughs> no, we don't. We don't well, comment on offers. He's not playing, is he? Players. Suspended. He's not no, suspended. Yeah, no, we don't comment suspended. on them. No, fair enough. And and I'm sure you wouldn't anyway, even if he wasn't suspended. It was just a cheeky one to finish. Hey, good luck today, Nathan. Really appreciate your time. And um, and and it's a big game. Six out of the last seven, probably not where you thought you'd be. But um, it's a big chance to get another win and continue on that development. Good luck with it. Thanks, guys. Good job. Uh, Nathan Van Burlow, uh, good man. He is. He's the best leader I've ever uh, I've ever um, played with or played under. He's he. In, and when I say leader, I mean a pure leader. Of course, probably you know, played mm. with better players. But his diligence and his. His ability when he uh, was really struggling with his own form to still be a strong leader and, and still hold great values, uh, he's impeccable. So it was a good get for them to pinch him back from, from WA because he went over with the Eagles, was a yep. part of their premiership coaching group and then was able to be uh, brought back to Adelaide. So he's a good get for them and uh, he's he's a good man to, to have at the helm in terms of that the leadership stuff. I know Daniel Jackson does some, but VB would would contribute as well as trying to get that midfield sorted because they haven't got the right mix and they need to get it sorted out. So Adelaide and uh, head to Tassie where they take on North Melbourne. Uh, one o'clock game today, one ten bounce. Uh, you're listening to Sunday Crunch Time for Thirsty Camel Bottle Shops. Answer the Camel's call. Thirsty Camel Bottle Shops. Welcome to Crunch Time. Uh, we do it all thanks to Thirsty Camel Bottle Shops. Answer the camel's call. Thirsty Camel Bottle Shops only scratch the surface of what's been a very, very entertaining round so far. So there's plenty more still to talk about after midday. Liam Pickering's going to join us. But uh, Josh Jenkins, West Coast getting their second win of the year over Essendon. Um, I know you don't like to uh, toot your own horn, but you saw this coming a mile away. Well, I think a few should have. Surely... Yep. Uh, the the market was 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 completely against West Coast, and I just couldn't quite understand it because mm. if if for those who watched West Coast against Geelong the week previous, the the, the Eagles were good. They they competed strongly and um, they they pushed Geelong at different stages and and uh, and and regained some good players as well. That was the other thing, you know, when you're regaining uh, you know strong, experienced Premiership players. 
of course you're going to be uh, better performed and Essendon have been so up and down they've been uh, they've been well more down than up but uh, their best has been okay but their worst has been terrible and and on the, on Friday night they just they just couldn't defend they couldn't uh, they couldn't stop Kennedy from scoring he had a big game kicked five goals and West Coast were able to get up and going in front of 40,000 and it didn't to me it didn't it wasn't a, it wasn't a huge surprise that West Coast won the game and um, I think most people should have been able to see that coming in terms of a, a more competitive game than what the market was suggesting. So disappointing for Essendon, but from my point of view, not a huge surprise. So the West Coast Eagles are the second worst scoring team in the competition and Essendon allowed 10 straight. I, I don't know what else you say. It's not great. Uh, what I will say about Essendon, so my view on Essendon and my view on, 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 on some teams, Brisbane a little bit, the philosophy that you have to be a, a defensive uh, animal and you have to be a group of, of, you have to be this really connected defensive team and that has to be your primary focus. Well, I, I don't think, well, if that is the way that Essendon want to play, then they're going to need to make wholesale changes to the way or to their personnel because they don't have players uh, who are built like that. They don't have guys who are who are really uh, defensively focused and, and, and that's their primary thought process when they're playing the game. Their focus is to is to play with flair and be aggressive and get ahead of the footy and rack up disposals. They don't have a lot of guys who are built to defend. They don't even have they don't even have bodies big enough to be key defenders. I have said this all season. Like Jaden Laverde is just not big enough to be a key defender. He's just not big enough, yet they continue to mm. to either persist with him. And Ridley's really a lever, isn't he? Like he, but, Ridley, but he has Ridley to... wouldn't even be as big as Jake Lever, and Jake Lever still plays as a third tall, and yep. Petty plays as a second tall. Like to me, they they are their best chance of winning games is actually trying to trying to play and make it one twenty to one ten. Yep. That is their best chance of winning games. Now everyone will say, well, that's not. Uh, a recipe to being a, a, a premiership-winning side and a, and a side that wins finals, but uh, they aren't built to to defend. They aren't. They aren't. They just aren't a group of guys who are built to defend um, as individuals or as a unit. So I'm not surprised that we see so many downs from Essendon because I just don't love the way that they're trying to play, the system that they're trying to implement versus the group of players that they actually have. They don't go hand in hand. So after the match, Ben Rutten spoke about the fact that they, they missed uh, Parrish and they missed McGrath. I thought that of all teams that you don't want to complain about injury lists um, and unavailable players, West Coast would be the team, given I think their injury list is about double what, um, what Essendon's yeah, is. Yeah. Uh, Matty Lloyd just... saying today on the footy show that Essendon need to look at Alistair Clarkson. Do you go to the oh. drastic measures of that for a coach who's only in his second official year that you look to oust him? Uh, in year two and, and, and bring in – I haven't heard it all in context. So I don't know if he's saying yeah. bring Alistair Clarkson in to help or bring Alistair Clarkson in to replace. Um, but what do you think needs to happen given that they are going through a review at the moment, Essendon? Well, you don't close your mind off to anything. So, you know, you don't say uh, no to Alistair Clarkson or to anyone in any in any form. So um, I haven't heard it either. But you don't say no, but I think you've got to just continue to evolve yep. and let Rutten build the group. Second year, tough, always a tough year. Um, I don't know yeah, if alarmist situations are where that they would need to go. Uh, there's a Twitter poll up too. Should James Sisley have received a fine for his mischief oh, with Aaron Norton's headband? 87% say no, JJ. 87%. That's a landslide.
Have we had any? How many votes have we had? Doesn't matter. Uh, 224 at this stage. Oh, so that's, right. that's a healthy cross-section of the community. Um, Liam Pickering's going to join us for the second hour on Sunday Crunch Time. Super Saturday yesterday was phenomenal. We will go through in detail every one of those games. Uh, the Cats, the Blues and the Swans, the winners. More after this on Sunday Crunch Time. Welcome to Crunch Time. Uh, welcome back or to Sunday Crunch Time, whichever category fits you best. It's wonderful to have you on board, however you're finding us, wherever you're finding us. Hope your Sunday is going as well as it possibly can. Sam Hargraves, Josh Jenkins, second hour for us, but joined in position A1, all thanks to Thirsty Camel. Answer the Camel's call, Thirsty Camel Bottle Shops. Liam Pickering, good afternoon, Picks. Good afternoon, Sammy and JJ and everyone listening. It's uh, a drizzly day in Melbourne, but um, some good games ahead of us this afternoon. Yeah, there were, there are, and yesterday, Super Saturday, we'll um, get your thoughts whether it lived up to the billing. Oh, but we've now ever. got five, four teams all just outside top spot um, by a game, and those four teams are only separated by percentage with Melbourne uh, on top. So as I said at the start of the first hour, JJ, how bloody good's footy? It is good. It's very good. I'm about to uh, witness a good game of VFL footy too. Geelong and Richmond about to... Uh, Bounce down in front of me. Some Plenty of guys vying for some AFL uh, games. Sydney Stack, Radagalia, Francis Evans. There's uh, plenty of uh, Quinton Arkles out there. Um, Collier Dawkins. So, yeah, there's plenty of good footy happening all over the place. Nice segue from you into uh, the first uh, item on the agenda, and that is Geelong and Richmond yesterday. So just uh, repeating the winners, 31 points, the Blues over Frio. We'll talk about that in uh, greater detail shortly. Uh, St Kilda lost to the Swans in Sydney by 51 points and only scored four goals in that game and are now outside the top eight. Plenty to discuss there. But did the Cats and the Tigers give us the game of the year, Liam Pickering? Slight bias from you in this space, but uh, I know that you'll be objective nonetheless. A three-point win, 35 points in the second term, Cats lead by. Then the Tigers kick 10 out of the next 12, the lead by 17 points early in the last before Stengel, Close, Cameron take back the lead. And Jack Henry, who hasn't played since round five, becomes the hero along with Tom Stewart, who in equal measure villain and equal measure hero, depending on who you ask. Your impressions, Picks? Oh, it was a fantastic game of footy. Gee, it was. The Cats were terrific early and, <clears throat> excuse me, and then uh, Richmond got their act together and started to do that that Richmond run of old. And they looked a real handful and they look a team that's going to be a serious contender in the finals. And for the Cats' credit, they actually found a way in the last quarter when they were just under three goals down to be able to find a way to win. And they got back what they were doing in the first quarter late in the game, which they'd, they'd gone away from for two quarters, or maybe it was taken away from them by Richmond. But either way, it was a fantastic game of footy. JJ, um, what was, uh, you were had a, uh, a vantage point that not many of us have. No, he was at the races. No, I wasn't there yesterday. Oh, you weren't there that's, yesterday? That's, he was at the races. Well, that's, that's why I said you had a vantage point that not many of us had. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I saw saw plenty of the game and watched uh, watched a lot of it back. This morning when one of the girls decided to get up at 5.30, um, oh, I just thought it was a game of... It was two teams who, who took the ascendancy in the game at different stages and two teams who, who, who are going to be... Or who are very strong groups and have got very, very good, you know, match-winning type players all across the ground. You know, even like a Tom Stewart, describing him as a match winner because of the way he sets so much of, of the game up for the Cats and... Uh, Shay Bolton threatened to take the game away. Tom Lynch threatened to take the game away. His battle with Sam DeConing was absolutely outstanding. And we saw some 
some big free kicks and controversial free kicks. Jack Revolt, Revolt looked like he took a big hanger and uh, a free kick was given away not long after. Tom Hawkins gave away a free kick for the same thing. So it had everything and uh, it was a game that I know we'll, you know, Geelong get the four points and Richmond get nothing, but uh, I don't think too many people will be riding off Richmond on the back of that. Numbers didn't really separate them except for one. So if you go through all the key stats pickers, uh, it's only contested ball where Geelong had a clear win on the night, um, plus 23 in that space. But every other number pretty much neck and neck, which speaks to the evenness yep. of the contest. Yeah, well, it was. That's right. And look, the Cats dominated out of the centre square in the first half, and then Richmond absolutely obliterated them out of the out of the square in the second half. So, yep. oh, there's not too much between these two teams. As the, last night's battle really showed us, but uh, you know, the free kicks, Cats 26, Richmond 13. I think a few Richmond fans are not all that happy about that, but that's not the reason the Cats won. No. Cats won because they set it up early and then found a way when they were challenged and thought it was a fantastic win. You mentioned the... The free against Jack, uh, when Jack Rewell took the mark, JJ did, and then the Hawkins. Well, they are both there. I mean, yep. They are both free kicks. They're yeah, absolutely definitely. both free kicks. So no real issue there. But gee, Shea Bolton's a star, isn't he? he? He just looks the most He looked the most dangerous player on the ground for mine. Uh, I see he was not in the, in the votes in the paper, but geez, I would have had him in there. Little Liam Baker. His third little, quarter. What, what did he little, have three possessions and kick 2-1? Yeah. Just in, a, in a little spell? In a little patch? A, he's just a gun. And... and Liam Baker, who was, I thought, quite early, and gee, he dominated the game after quarter time. But And Vlosten was just Vlosten. He's just a, he's a beauty. There's one that I want to ask you both about. Um, it's a lead into a, a story, which we can get to in just a moment, that Sam Edmund alluded to yesterday uh, in Saturday crunch time. But Tyson Stengel might be uh, one of the most astute recruiting decisions that we've seen of recent times. And I want to ask you this, given that we know that the All-Australian selectors tend to only pick one out-and-out small forward because they don't want to upset any midfielders and cram them all in wherever they can. Uh, Kane, looking at you, make a change. Um, he Would he be the All-Australian small forward at the moment? You do a compare the pair with him and Charlie Cameron, very little separating them. Well, Charlie cut the... more goals, cut more tackles inside 50, but wow. Well, he's in the mix. I think he's there's yeah. only a couple of them. There'd only be one or two ahead of him, if not. So he's having a terrific year and. Not just the goals he's kicked, but he, he's, his involvement in goals. He was really crucial at yep. times last night. So, no, he's been a great pickup. Not a real surprise. I mean, Stephen Wells has done it for years and years and years. He's brought in good good people into that football club and good good players. And Stengel seems to be another one that they've got right. JJ, the talent, the talent's the talent's undeniable. It always has been, and you know, even Richmond were of that view. He just couldn't get in when they were winning premierships, and he came across to. Adelaide and, uh, and and he and I played together a little bit. And you could see the talent. Like, the talent's undeniable. The thing that's uh, that is surprising me a little bit, he's just been so consistently able to find the footy. 18 disposals yesterday. He's one of those players early in his career you say, oh, he's only getting 8 to 10 touches. He's so creative and he's so damaging. If we can find a way to get him 12, 13, 14, then we've got a player. Well, yeah, 18 disposals. 409 metres gained. He was so uh, damaging. He's so clever. He's so damaging when he gets the ball. His ground balls are elite. He's a uh, he's an elite finisher. He's got to be in the mix. Isaac Heaney probably goes into the mix in terms of the small forwards. He's a different co- type, though. Him yeah. and Fritsch, or you know, you hardly call Heaney a small forward. He's no, about six gonna, two. But the, <laughs> yes, but they're going to pick him in that in that sense because they're going to pick uh, mi- uh, they're going to pick sort of half forward mids, and they're only really going to pick that one. Uh, that one sort of small forward. Shea Bolton probably gets into that mix as well. So mm. he's he's around the mark. The great thing is, whether he makes it or not, mm. he's in the conversation. So that's pretty amazing. Well, he's, he's contributing. He's contributed every game he's been at the at the Cats. What was he like, JJ? Let me ask you this. You played with him. I mean, what sort of a kid? I mean, he had a few warts on him when he left Adelaide, obviously. Um, 
what sort of kid was he and what sort of kid is he now? He's not a, he, he's, he, he was never a bad guy. Like, he was never a bad kid. He, he's a kid who um, he went back to Adelaide and, and had a lot of influences and, and, and associates away from footy that don't, that, you know, that didn't necessarily, not, they, did, they didn't have his, uh, they weren't, you know, they weren't bad types. They just didn't quite understand what you could and couldn't do as an AFL footballer and what you needed to do. And when it was time to go home, you know, it was fine to go out and go to Hindley Street and, and have a few beers until uh, 12 o'clock at night, but not 4 o'clock in the morning. Like, mm. he, he just didn't have a lot of those guys. And actually getting to Geelong has been outstanding for him. Um, yeah, he fits in really well. Brandon Parfit, I know he lives with Brandon and Quentin Narkle, and Brandon's been a good influence on him. And, and Nigel Lappin's worked really, really closely with him. Nigel just absolutely loves the young man, loves working with him, thinks he's one of the smartest guys that he's, you know, he's ever coached in terms of he shows him one piece of vision and it's just picked up and it's, and it's, and it's in his mind forever. So he's been a great addition. And, and you're right, because he's, 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 he's contributed or, or been very, very impactful in every game he's played this year. He almost hasn't had a quiet game. No, he's been uh, he's been terrific, and he was very, very important last night, as was Tom Stewart, who we'll get to, I'm sure, in a minute. But he was superb last night, uh, Tom Stewart, really was. He was uh, he was the one that was holding them up, up t- together, really, in the back line in that, in that last half. So his numbers, before we talk about the hit on Dion Prestia, just phenomenal. The, the mark he took the match-saving mark with 40 seconds to go. That was his 17th intercept. Um, 737 metres gained, 29 disposals. Um, multiple All-Australian now, as we know. At quarter time, he looked almost inconsolable. And again, this is no, we're not making excuses. We're just talking about the state of mind. To be able to switch back into game mode the way that he did and, and then to influence the game in the way that he did. What does that tell you, both of you who have played the game at the highest level, about his mental resilience? Yeah, well that that was the that was the, the thing that stood out the most because it was really graphic, wasn't it? It was a dramatic yep. sort of turn of events that you know, the, the, the collision was dramatic and Prestia was really, really groggy and then, you know, the cameras were on Tom Stewart and he was really emotional and uh, he's he's an emotional guy. It means a lot to him. The you know it it means so much to him. He, he's he's had to he's had to come from a long way back to get his opportunity. He's completely established. Chris Scott has often called him the cat's best player, and I think it you know everything was running through his mind at the same time. He was probably seeing the the replay up on the screen as well. So crowd um, into it, him as the as, as yeah, fair crowd enough. Into him, but other players clearly, into him. Fair enough. He, he clearly was able to to bring himself back to the present moment and say well. What will be, will be. If I miss footy, I miss footy. I've got three quarters here to impact the game. I'm a very good player. I'm going to go and do what I can. I'll worry about the rest later. And um, he did exactly that. He was absolutely outstanding. Yeah, well, he ran past the ball and he he, he chose to bump and he hit Prestia in the head. So he's going to have a holiday. And it's going to be probably three or four weeks. But, you know, it, it didn't affect the way he played yesterday. As, Jack, as JJ said, he was just superb when the game was on the line. And, the more boos you heard, the better it was for Cats. It meant that he was doing something and he was terrific. So this was Chris Scott on Tom. We're going to speak about the incident itself. This was Chris Scott on Tom Stewart after the game. I just said that there's only one thing you can control and that's staying in the moment. And we'll deal with the future when it comes. And I was really proud of him from that perspective. So speaking to him post-game, I mean, I've known Tom for a long time. He is a scrupulously fair player and just a fantastic, strong character, fundamental to what we do at, um, at Geelong. You know, I think when my time's 
come and gone, I'll look back and say I was, I was honoured to know and to coach Tom Stewart. And that's partly because when I spoke to him post-game, he said, I've just made a horrible error and I feel terrible about it. He said, I ran past the ball and I chose to bump. I, I, I didn't mean to do it, but gee, it was terrible execution and I'm going to pay the price for it. And I wouldn't normally be this expansive, but I thought it speaks to the man. He knows he's done the wrong thing. Was it deliberate? Of course it wasn't. He's, he's made an error, and as people do that I admire, he's prepared to stand up and say, I was wrong. Now, it doesn't help them. You know, the idea of restorative justice still exists. Like, they lose one of their best players. Where, you know, we, we don't um, run away from that fact, but he should have some com comfort in the fact that that's not him and it was an error of execution and nothing more. He's a pretty emotional guy too. Like he was feeling it. We, we could see visibly right from the moment it happened. And it weighs heavily on him because he's that kind of guy. Even his words, like, I shouldn't talk too much about what I consider to be private conversations, but he referenced letting the team down. So, well, maybe, but what can you do about it now? Uh, and again, he'll pay a price. I don't think there's much doubt about that. But, and, and you can't control what people think of you, but I know him intimately. So, uh, Chris Scott, Geelong coach there. So we empathise with Tom. We know, we know that that's out of character for him when you admire the contrition for he and Chris Scott. But Chris Scott, but the concern and care absolutely has to be with Dion Prestia, who was making the ball his intent and would not have been expecting to be ironed out in the brutal manner that he was. And he's been their best over the last couple of weeks. So what does the penalty look like if it's two weeks? It gets two weeks if it's careless high impact uh, and high contact. It's, if it's intentional, it means three weeks. If it's severe, then it goes straight to the tribunal. It was as brutal as we've seen in a while. Passed the ball, <clears throat> left got, the ground. Just got him flush. That's all it was. I don't think it was brutal. Yeah, well, he, hit him, he ran past the ball and hit him and clicked him in the head. I'm not sure it was brutal. You don't? Not really. I mean, I've seen – if you're talking brutal, I'm talking – I don't think his Swinging intent was brutal, and, but no, the sure impact and the uh, and what and, and the result oh, of no, which was no, was no argument there. Yeah, absolutely no. argument So I don't think there. It was, I don't think he was he he chose to bump. I don't think he he intended to maim. No, I'm sure. But he he's didn't. much taller. But but the the impact was and and the results were pretty brutal, Josh. Yeah, that the or the, the results were brutal. Absolutely. Um, you know, Prestia is in it was in a bad way and and was subbed out of the game. So. It's 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 relatively straightforward, isn't it? it you know, he, he he was off the ground, he bumped and and he got him in the head, and he was concussed. Now, I don't agree with. Um, you know, we can talk about Zach Jones's incident later or in a moment if you want. I don't agree with the, the the fact that the outcome has such a strong bearing on what happens. I think it just should be the action. Um, but we know so, it's not JJ. That's the reality. But, well, it shouldn't be. It shouldn't. You know, it, it, we are, we are basically uh, at a point where. You know the 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 offending player is is almost in the lap of or the luck of how uh, how strong a jaw, how strong a head, or how resilient uh, the, the receiving or the recipient is. If whether they you know one person gets a concussion, the next doesn't. Now I'm not talking about the Tom Stewart incident there. I think that's pretty straightforward. Um, yeah, that you know he's off the ground, he bumped all that sort of stuff. He went past the ball. That's mm. very straightforward. But you know if. What I'm saying is, if Prestia doesn't get a concussion, or if the Zach Jones, whoever Zach, I can't recall who Zach Jones bumped, 
Parker. he does Parker. get a concussion, yep. that's a different conversation. If Luke Parker stays down, that's a different conversation as well. That's the that's the element I don't have, uh, I don't enjoy, and I think could be could be altered a little bit. But I also understand the environment as it is. So we there's a lot we can quibble over in the game. There's a lot we can debate about. There's a lot of nitpicking we can do. But this is the clear example of the one that we're trying to eradicate completely, yep. isn't it? Yeah, it is. It is. Yeah, absolutely yeah. it is. And, and he'll get a holiday on the back yep. of that. So is it any more than three for mine? I don't think so, personally. But um, if it goes to the tribunal, it probably will be. So it, it, would, would it be fair to say, if you take away the people, and this is not a – so for Geelong fans, we shouldn't have to ever keep disclaiming this, we're not talking about Tom Stewart, the person. So we're talking about the action. So the action itself – is is a good opportunity for the for the AFL to send it to the tribunal to send the very very clear message about what they're trying to do. They have whiffed on some of these at times, and there's the mixed messaging that's occurred around it at times. This is one where you can say, not about you, Tom, because yeah, look agree. at the contrition you've shown. What a good yeah. you know understand could see how it pains you were, how devastated you were, and how upset you were with what you'd done. Shows the character of you. But the action we highlight and say this is the the standard that will not be accepted. Yeah, okay, I, I don't have a problem with that. Yeah, yeah, just just put it to the tribunal and see what they say. If yep. that's the case, um, uh, and it'll goes, be and, and it'll be exactly the same um, with the Luke Parker one. Yeah, well, that, yeah. That, with, that, with, that'll be the one. I'm exact, actually the Jones I'm one. More, I'm more interested in the outcome. I think we understand what's going to happen with Tom Stewart. I think we'll be you know, people will be. Will be um, will be stunned if it's less than three, and and probably uh, equally stunned if it goes you know north of four or whatever. But I think we all understand it's going to be a, a going to be a suspension. The, the the Jones one is the one I'm interested to see the outcome because we've seen those ones uh, thrown out. We've seen players get off those, so that's the one I'm interested in. I agree with both of you. It's you know it is time that we that we make a stand on those types of, of incidences. That's why I'm sort of speaking so strongly about the Jones one. Just like I've got a strong view about when guys throw punches and we should make a stand on that, but we haven't done that either. So uh, to be determined, I suppose. Uh, yeah, it is. Um, when you look forward to look at where this game now uh, has both of these teams getting back to it mm. from a football point of view, so it, was a, it, now, was a, it was a massive game for both clubs yesterday. Well, do, really do, you, do you have it as club? I know recency bias, but do, do, and we might even get the text to help us out here. Zero four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen. Is it clubhouse leader for game of the year? There was uh, one. There was one not long ago that was a belter of a game too. I'm just trying to think who it was. Collingwood Carlton at the G was very. That good. That was a good game. Yeah, the nah. Giants and uh, was it Giants, Giants and Bulldogs? Yeah, well, that was a shoot, and that was just good fun to watch. As, that was a great shootout. I think we're getting. I think we're getting much better games this year than we have in the last couple of years. Yeah, much, much better quality standard and standard of the games because the competition's so even. I mean, take away a couple of sides near the bottom, the rest of them are real good teams. I mean, you can make a case for the three, the three today, the three games today. I can make a case for every one of the underdogs in that game to to win today, every one of them. Yeah, I, I think you're right. And, and, and how many have you got in your footy tips so far? So I I got West Coast. Yep. I missed. So I had the I picked the Lions. Yep. Uh, I picked Frio. Yep. But I picked Geelong and I picked Sydney. So of the, the, the top eight teams that all played each other, only the fifth time it's happened, you got six. I've got them all so far. <laughs> I've got them all so what far. About the, what about the question that just really didn't care about my <laughs> answer? Well, it didn't matter. Well, I was like, he's not interested in Sam's tips. Why is not he asking all. about that? Has well, never asked me in the to- old time I've, I've known him. Do you, know, do, you know, do you know what I've gone for today, though? Giants to beat Collingwood. Right. I've gone for nah, North. No chance. 
They, won the, they won the last four against them and beat them in the preseason, so they're a real chance. Uh, North Melbourne to win against Adelaide. Yes. And I think Port Adelaide will beat Gold Coast at home. So there you go. But I'm miles behind the footy tip, so there's no real consolation there. But uh, I just think it's been one – it's one of these we, – we knew coming into this round how important this was going to be. Mm. And there are a couple of teams that have banana peeled it, unfortunately, St Kilda in particular. Uh, Brisbane exposed uh, as being not quite at the level they thought they were at. Um, obviously, the Dogs had a good win. Uh, forget West Coast and Essendon because they're not going to make, make the finals. And I thought Carlton was superb yesterday against Fremantle. Yeah, well, there's a heap to discuss with the Blues. But the Cats now um, on the AFL ladder sitting in second. Uh, and then, uh, as my ladder just decided to shut itself Melbourne down. Melbourne on top. Melbourne on top, second. Geelong. And then Richmond uh, hanging on to uh, eighth spot. But they do so with St Kilda on eight wins as well. Collingwood on eight wins. So Collingwood could actually jump up. Uh, into the eight today if they get that win over the Giants. Hey, let's turn our attention uh, to this game, uh, the first game up today, down in Hobart, North Melbourne and Adelaide. So North Melbourne looking for their first win. They've lost their last 11, their second win of the season. They're looking forward today. Uh, They come up against the Crows who have lost six out of their last seven. It's been another interesting week from a news point of view for North Melbourne. The news that Jeff Walsh back at the club in an advisory role. Uh, But we've been lucky enough to be joined by their ruck coach, Anthony Rocker, um, Anthony, thanks so much for joining us. We greatly appreciate your time. Thank you, guys. Welcome. Well, and we're happy to be with you uh, too. <laughs> hey, um, just the, the week uh, and the build-up, it doesn't seem you've been able to have a, a week without something uh, in the news that's not quite on-field related. Um, we've seen people come into clubs at all different times in all different capacities, whether it's a review or not a review, but how was the news received inside the footy department of Jeff Walsh coming back in an advisory role? Oh, look, it's, I know Jeff Walsh personally, been um, at Collingwood with him for many, many years. And um, look, the, the club has decided to go down that way and bring him in to do a, a, an internal review, which is, you know, we, we welcome any sort of review to try and help us to get better. So, um, uh, yeah, we look forward to uh, seeing him on Monday. You know, there's not much we can do about it. We just go about our business trying to make this team better to start with. Anthony, it's a really good opportunity today. I think you've got nearly your best team in for the season. You'd be happy with the inclusions. Absolutely, absolutely. There's a few boys that have come in. You know, uh, big uh, McKay's come in, big Buckets has come in, um, Cam Zerha's come in, uh, Terrence Thomas has come in. So there's a bit of firepower that's come come through. So we just got to try and get the ball inside 50 a little bit more than what we have been. So we provide those guys with a bit of, bit of opportunity. Um, and we've got to ask you about the good news story. So it, it's not not fair to go with the you know the the uh, the more uh, front page stuff rather than the back page stuff. The feel good story of the week has been, and we all have all seen the video now of Jackson Archer ringing up uh, Dad to say uh, that he's going to be playing his first game. The father son, father daughter, um, the family legacy that exists in our game. It's unique to any other. It is one of the most beautiful parts of the game, and that was a beautiful moment. And what a moment for the club, the shinboner of the century, son, about to make his debut. That's got to give everyone around the club a lift. Absolutely. How beautiful was it? You know, you know, Glenn Archer, everyone was renowned for Glenn Archer being the, the tough guy out in the field. And, you know, I played against him many, many times, and he was hard to play against. And look, to see him in tears in that video is just, just a gentle reminder that um, sometimes things are a bit more than footy you know just the love for your kids and seeing them have an opportunity and you know then then and that would have been um, Jackson's lifelong dream to play to play footy where his dad played so it was a beautiful moment 
What, what, what sort of role can we expect from the young man, Anthony? What sort of uh, what sort of player is he? He's got a lot to live up to if he's going to be anything like his dad. But what sort of player is he? Yeah, he's a look. He's a he's a black. He's a backman who just plays his role. Um, he's he's tough like his dad. I know his dad was one of the toughest going around, but he's got he's got those attributes. He hates being beaten, and then uh, he can show a little bit of dash with the ball in hand. What 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 are the threats that you're looking on the lookout for? From Adelaide, we spoke to Nathan Van Berla earlier and everyone acknowledges how uh, vigorous and how hungry Adelaide are around the footy. What are the threats yep. and, and, and areas that you're on the lookout for from the Crows? Yeah, that's that's definitely one of them, mate. The um, Their inside stuff, their contested stuff inside is, is really good, but their ability to transition is something we really got to be on the lookout. So, But if we can get them going back the other way, there's opportunities for us to score. And Nick Larkey's had a had a great record against the Crows. He's probably, you mentioned it earlier, you just haven't been able to get it inside 50, you know, as much as you would have liked. If you could get him some opportunities, you know, in one, one v one scenarios, the same with Zuhart or a few others, but if you can get Larky isolated in different situations, he certainly poses a big threat uh, for you guys. As he well. does. He might be able to kick a score. He does. He, he sure does. You know, big blasts. You know, he's got a great reach, and when he gets his hands on the, on, on the ball, he... If they don't stick, they normally just come down to the front and uh, hopefully our, our littles can go to work and put some scoreboard pressure on. Hey, Anthony, really appreciate you joining us. Big uh, chance today to get your second win of the year. The good news is that they've only won once in uh, eight games down in Tassie and haven't won down there since 2005. So things are looking good and we hope that it's a su- <laughs> successful day for the footy club. Fingers crossed, mate. Uh, great access, Anthony Rocker from the Kangaroos, and we greatly appreciate that. Uh, Josh Jenkins, Liam Pickering here for Buy My Stock. Got excess stock? Visit buymystock.com.au. Our pregame show for Thirsty Camel. Answer the camel's call, Thirsty Camel Bottle Shops. Hey, let's talk blues and dockers at Marvel yesterday on the other side of this. Welcome to Crunch Time. Enjoying Crunch Time Banter? Check out Dabble Banter channels and copy Crunch Time Bets. Go on, have a dabble. Gamble responsibly. Call 1-800-858-858. Yes, it's that time on a Sunday, on Sunday Crunch Time, where we go to our man at Dabble, Joshy Jeans, and normally he's uh, got his chin dragging along the ground because his West Coast Eagles have been putrid. But of course, this week, they've had a win. Well done, Josh. Oh, thanks, Pickers. I can take full credit for that as well, obviously. Um, just, you know following them through the, throughout the season. Good, but good to have you back, finally, Pickers. You've been having a holiday. Yeah, well, I've been doing the Saturday <laughs> games at the moment. So, uh, no, nah, back today and looking forward to it. And um, how did the boys yesterday go on crunch time, by the way, in the, in the dabble scenario? Well, you actually had a massive start to the week. So Thursday night, you got a multi-up for paying $6. Then, of course, you had the Friday win as well. So back-to-back multis. Unfortunately, yesterday, uh, you had the great bet with Geelong, but uh, let down by the Sainers there. Just mm. couldn't get off the mark, would they? Disappointing. All right, let's have a look at what uh, this Sunday, esteemed Sunday panel have done. What are we going yeah, with? I know you're happy about this bet, Pickers. you got the Crows. They're going to they're gonna win, obviously, against North Melbourne. Uh, GWS, the upset. I like you going for value, and as well as the Gold Coast mm. Suns, a bit of value there. 
uh, three legs. That's paying ten bucks. So a lot of value in that one. Okay. What are your thoughts? Um, well, look, yeah, Ben's told me I have to agree with you. I don't agree with you. Let me put it that way, Josh. I think North Melbourne can win. I think the Giants can upset Collingwood. And I actually think, personally, I think that Port Adelaide will handle them. Now, it doesn't mean I'm not going to barrack for the team. I'm going to barrack for the team. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, look, I think it's still good betting either way. I think uh, not a bad little player over 10 bucks. And let's be honest, the team carry you most weeks. That's why their backs are so sore pickies. That's why the holiday wasn't for the, for you; it was for them. Uh, so. very, you're making a good point, but don't get too carried away with yourself, Joshy boy. That's <laughs> right. We'll be back off a loss next week, and I'll be uh, back in my box. But uh, of course, you can follow the Crunch Time AFL team. Go on, have a dabble, dabble socially, and gamble responsibly, pickies. Thanks, Josh. We'll, t- we'll chat again next week. <laughs> Go to the West bye. Coast. <laughs> It's always the case with Josh. He, he's been really sort of disappointed in his team all year, and he finally gets a win. Wasn't he up and about it? He certainly was. Um, and I'll tell you who was up and about yesterday was the Blues. So all the talk coming into this game, JJ uh, Pickers, was Flagmental. that Carlton's undermanned defence. They were missing every key pillar that they had. They bring in uh, Brody Kemp. Um, Lewis Young was their recruit for the Western Bulldogs, which was supposed to be a Swiss Army knife sort of uh, recruit, and he's holding down their key defensive stocks. And um, as I said in the intro, JJ, if there's when you've got an undermanned defence, there's one way that you can get around that: just make sure your midfield doesn't lose, uh, and then you don't concede entries. Plus twenty four inside fifties to go along with um, plus fourteen clearances and plus nine centre clearances. Carlton they. Blew them apart in the middle after Carlton kicked the first three of the game. It was all navy blue after that. Oh, absolutely. I, I think we need to uh, probably uh, dip our lid and, and, and say that um, yeah, Melbourne have got the number one midfield in the game, but Carlton's is a midfield I really, really love. Tom DeConing is just growing and growing and growing. He's, he's establishing himself as... As a really dominant centre bounce uh, tap ruckman, and he ta- he's he's taking more and more contested marks around the ground. He has a habit of taking them at crucial times as well. Uh, Walsh's ability to just hunt and and run and work himself into the ground, his ability to pick up the footy from uh, a loose ball situation and then explode away and and and, and pump it inside fifty was outstanding yesterday. Of course, 40, 40 possessions for some guys. You sort of think, oh, you know, it's a good day, but 40 possessions for Sam Walsh is a really outstanding day at the office because of the way he uses the ball and he runs and he and he charges over 500 metres gain, seven clearances, put plenty of pressure on the opposition as well yesterday. He was absolutely outstanding. He just continues to, to get better and better somehow. He's a star. There's no doubt about that. And uh, that was his, clearly his best game for the year, but, God, he was good and so damaging. I mean, mm. you're right, 40 – there are 40 – Possessions to stat pigs, and he ain't one of them. You know, where you get guys that just flip it around the back and they have 38, 40 touches. You yeah. didn't even notice you, mate. You were just getting switch no. of players. But he, he was all This intense. guy is in at the contest. He's spread at the contest. is superb. He used the ball well, and his work rate is just relentless. Uh, he is a, he's a dead set gun. He was synonymous with their approach all day. They were just so desperate to not put their defence under pressure, that the midfield was surging forward, almost like rugby league trying to hit the line and get their nose through. Some of the things they were doing at times were just, we actually were laughing in the box, that they're just this single-minded intent just to force a way mm. through, at times just running straight at opposition players. Yeah, just push them over. Trying they to work. push them over, just to will it forward, to will it forward. And JJ, 
as a Ford yourself, you had a great appreciation for those who gave you every opportunity to get multiple um, possessions inside the arc. Plus 17 in tackles inside 50 were Carlton. Um, statistically, Frio second best in the comp for that. Carlton uh, taught him a lesson in that area yesterday as well. That was the that was going to be my next point to oh, sorry, to mate. highlight <laughs> Durden and, and and those guys around the ball. Oh, sorry, around the ball in the forward half. Like yep. Durden's Durden is he's, he's he's a guy who just he is he's just ferocious when it comes to chasing the guy with the ball and just not allowing any easy exits from from their forward fifty. He often working a few games that that, that, that Carlton have played. He often chases that hard when you think, mate, you've got no chance of getting this guy. But it's it's the consistency. It's it's just sowing that seed in the opponent's mind that Durden's going to be coming. These guys are going to be coming. Silvani's a really good defensive uh, forward in terms of smothers and getting an arm in and not allowing intercept marks. And they compl- those guys at ground level, they complement the big boys so well. You know, Kurnow and Mackay are so dangerous uh, when they can get isolation. Kerno doesn't need much of an opportunity and it's gone through the big sticks. Like, he didn't touch the ball a lot yesterday, but he's just able to capitalise and make it count. Mackay the same. He's going to get better the more games he, he plays on the on the back of that injury. And those guys at ground level, they've just got a really, really good blend of, of players all across the ground. And every time they can get a win without Jacob Wiedering, that's an absolute bonus. Absolutely it is. And Matt Kennedy, I thought, was really important yesterday. He had a terrific game and yep. it was really tough when needed. I just thought they showed some real some real heart yesterday, Carlton. And a lot of, you know, obviously Fremantle went in really fa- red-hot favourites in the match. But just I just think take on Carlton in Melbourne at your peril. I mean, the crowd yeah. just lifts oh, them. It's unbelievable. Their crowd were unbelievable yesterday. They, it, was, it was a throwback game. I mean, it, it didn't matter. There was a, an in, a insufficient intent call that came during the game where there was – I don't, I hate that rule, but this was so beyond doubt and they still blew up the lux at it. It was just great. The atmosphere that the Carlton fans created – What was the crowd just I, like? I think it was like, almost like having a 24th player. Yeah, well, that's why in those tight games this year, yeah, I've always tended to lean towards Carlton because yep. when they played the Swans, I think the Swans were going probably a little bit better at the time, but – you just think they're going to have a big crowd there. They're going to get behind them. And these guys, to me, look like they're thriving in the environment. Hey, on a positive, Will Brody went to Cripps for most of the day and, and maybe even took the points. 37 for him. I think he kept Cripps to about 26. But I want to ask you both about uh, Nat Fife. So there's a, a push and shove uh, that unfolds where it's mainly Carlton players surrounding Nat Fife. He got a little shove from Cottrell that had him going towards the umpire and he puts a hand in the chest uh, of the umpire. Um I've got a take on this, but I'd like to get your opinions first. Is there any case to answer for for Nat Fife? Have you seen the vision? Haven't seen the vision. No, can't comment. JJ? Oh, I've seen it. Uh, I really don't know. I, I, you're probably going to have to take the lead, Sam, and I'm not, I'm not, I'm not dodging it. I just, I've seen it two or three times. I probably haven't, I haven't studied it. Uh, it's not really in my, my line of work to, to study those types of things. Well, but it is. You're a commentator. If you want to... <laughs> You, you, you should be across it. Here we go. I'm a, I'm 360 review. <laughs> Impromptu. <laughs> if, uh, if, if, if you want to just take the line of there's no contact whatsoever, well, that, that's pretty straightforward. If you want to then judge the levels of contact, then we've got a conversation. So it, I guess it yeah. depends what the, what the stance is from, from uh, HQ. For, for those who want to refer to Toby Green, it's a, the, the Toby Green situation for mine is irrelevant in this. What this is down to... I think this is another example of the AFL throwing the umpires under the bus. 
Um, they're made to stand there when the players have a push and shove, get right in amongst the action because they're told to try and make it disperse. They nag the players like they're running amok on Christmas Day and need to be told off and sent to their room. Last week, we had an umpire lean down and blow his whistle in the ear of players wrestling on the ground. The third umpire running out is just as hilarious. Uh, in all this, because there isn't a player in history, and you guys tell me this, that has ever stopped the push and shove because the umpire nagged them in to doing it. It makes the umpires look petty. It makes them look pedantic, and this isn't their fault, and it makes them just look annoying because the players never listen to it, so it demeans the umpires, makes them look weak, and because they're made to do it, they get into the personal space of players, and the players end up being punished for it. So Nat Five gets a push and goes to the umpire. He puts a hand out to stop. And it get, it, 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 he puts a hand into the chest of the umpire. No force behind it. It's just oh. a bumper. Hang on. Let's have a look at it then. It is just you a bumper. Be joking. Just, so you got to be joking. Don't, get in the, don't ask the umpires to get in the player's personal space and then punish the umpires. For, I'm as pro-umpire as anyone, and you both know that, and they should be untouchable. But when you move into the personal space of someone, sorry, but you're in international waters there. You're out of anyone's jurisdiction. You've put yourself in that position because you were told to. This is an AFL issue. I've seen it happen time and time again. He shouldn't get anything for this. Was, of course he's not going to get anything. That was an accident. But, he but was it's pushed got, into it. They, they have to stop. I just don't look at the vision then. Benny yeah. just came and showed me. Mate, seriously, we're not even talking about this, are we? This is this is a non-issue. No, I, I why agree are with we you. Even but discussing the, this? the reason why we're discussing it is because the AFL tell the umpires when there's a push and shove, get in there. The ridiculous scenes of an umpire running out in tracksuit pants. We know they're not going to punch each other. That doesn't happen anymore. It's a push and shove that will break up of its own volition. If you see something that's wrong, pay a free kick or write it down to have them reported by so the MRO on, later. So you, are you saying that you, it's, you're blaming the AFL? I'm blaming and the, the and AFL. And the instruction the AFL are giving yes. about where umpires are positioning themselves when this stuff starts. Yes. Just go and bounce the ball. Bounce it'll, the ball is the easiest one. It'll break up of its own volition. Well, there was one yesterday. This is a good, a good example. There was, it was Hawker, uh, sorry, Cameron and Marlon Pickett had a bit of a box on. Like Cameron tackled high on one of the Richmond yeah. players. I can't think who it was. It might have been Bolton or one of the little fellas. And <laughs> they had a bit of a wrestle. Him and, him and I reckon they wrestled for two and a half, three minutes. And the play just went on around him. Yeah. Play on. And you know what the next shot I saw was? Jeremy Cameron sitting on the bench. Blowing up. <laughs> blowing, <laughs> blowing like he couldn't breathe. Because that's how much energy it takes out of you. It exactly. is a complete waste of time. It's a waste of energy. You feel good for about 30 seconds, and then you feel shocking for about five minutes. That's yep. what a fight is. Yep. These are adults. You don't need to chastise them like petulant children. It just I think it puts the umpires in a position because no one listens to them where they actually look weak. Look at this. Look at this. Another says hello. You didn't like that expression, you? Do know, you? I don't like that expression. The text says Greg Williams says hi. Um, slightly like different that, to this. I don't <laughs> like that impression. Greg Williams pushed the umpire. It's yeah, a whole different thing the way it was in that five. But the, 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 you can make, mount the argument that the umpire kept getting in Greg Williams' grill. He did. There's no doubt so, he did. I just, JJ, I just don't understand why you would put your umpires again in another position where they don't. They, it doesn't do them any favours. They come out looking the worse every time it happens. Yeah, I've never really. That's not. I've never really given that any thought. They they do get they do get right in the, they do get right involved. Uh, they do. It does have a. I'll 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 differ from you a little bit. It has a small impact when uh, you you're scuffling, and the umpire says, "Save your money, boys," because you know as soon as you fall over in a wrestle, yeah, it's you can cost say you that from a distance. You can say that from a distance. Well, that's right. You can do that <laughs> from a distance. You can do that. From the a easiest distance. one is as as we talked about earlier. Just bounce the damn ball and move on. 
yeah, the players will right. stop that, wrestling. That, <laughs> Trust me. Yeah, that's that's the uh, that's the answer. But um, well, I, I, I'm I'm in the I'm in the corner with you guys. But don't be surprised if if uh, if Fife has a case to answer oh, because please. that's the that's the line yeah, that we'll, they wanted to take. No, we'll start a no, GoFundMe no. page for him, get his paid, and we'll do the same for Sicily for the headband too. <laughs> 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 this is. Uh, don't forget to check out the AFL record this week. Jersey Cameron's 200th game uh, that he played last night. The profile on uh, the former Giants uh, Foundation player and now uh, high-flying cat. Uh, the Pink Lady game returning to the MCG on Thursday night to support all women and men affected by breast cancer. There's a great write-up uh, about that. And speaking to a brave Melbourne supporter and Pink Lady Ambassador Nicole Armstrong, who is going through the fight of her life. Uh, Josh Jenkins, Liam Pickering here for Buy My Stock. Got excess stock. Visit buymystock.com.au. Back after this on Sunday Crunch Time. Welcome to Crunch Time. Ah, yes, indeed. Not long now before the opening bounce of North Melbourne and Adelaide uh, down in Hobart. So North Melbourne have lost their last 11. Adelaide, six out of their last seven. So uh, pride on the line for both of these two teams. Uh, Josh Jenkins, Liam Pickering. A couple of nominations coming through for Game of the Year. Liam says uh, Hawks and Essendon. Josh in Perth says Frio and Brizzy. Carlton Collingwood's come through. Geelong and Collingwood. Geelong Hawthorne. Uh, for games of the year, and Geelong and Richmond would be right up in that mix. What do we make of Sydney and St Kilda? 51-point win to the Swans. They put the Saints to the sword in the second half. Both these teams needed a bounce back. Only one provided it. And for St Kilda, their lowest score since round eight in 2016. They had just two goals on the board until the 19-minute 49 second mark of the final term when Billings got their third. Yeah, they were, they were really good. Sydney and St Kilda were really horrible. They were just horrible. Saints fans, you know, I'd love to hear from a couple of Saints fans. They should be so disappointed with their team. They went in the bye full of promise and they've come out the other side looking a completely different team than they were. Uh, they were horrible last night and just got out-toughed, out-played, out-skilled last night in a really poor performance by the Saints. What was going on with the SCG surface is beyond me. It, it did set look like a patchwork quilt. It was terrible, that ground. So I'm not sure if you watched the game, you boys, but... Gee, I don't think I've ever seen the SCG look as bad. Looked a bit spark. Was that because of the thousands of people that ran on? Is that the after effects oh, of the tr- buddy trampling? No, I no, think... No, that's a long there, road to draw. I'm being was, facetious. I think they're playing rugby league, aren't they? Aren't they playing yeah, rugby they play, at the they play, they play the rugby league and rugby. union, I think, on there, which Jeez. just... Which just I don't um, think they play union there, do they? Uh, which there's a lot they of, used to. They little, definitely used to. A lot of sport uh, there. But they, mm. they, uh, they play too much. Uh, they play plenty of, plenty of sport there, so it does get torn up. But that didn't have... Much impact on the Swans and yeah, had a lot good. of impact on the Saints. If you want to say that, the Saints were just—they are—they're in—they're in a world of pain. Uh, they've got the the Blues Friday night now. Ooh. Everyone in the world will be tipping the Blues, but they've got to find a way to win a couple that we don't expect them to win because their runs tough and they're just not playing good footy at all, are they? They're just not getting the penetration around the footy. No, that's a big out. Say they lost Hill going into that game. They lost Ryder going into that game. They had one more. They lost. Though. They dropped Higgins, so his forms completely dropped away as well. So they had some big outs going into that game, but their performance was just woeful, as you said. Only two goals late into that game, to only kick four goals for the game. That was just a, a terrible performance. Because what did you make of their ball movement, St Kilda? They won centre clearance. They won clearance. Yet they were minus eleven for inside fifty. So the question gets asked: What are you doing with ball in hand? 
Yeah, they just muck around with it, unfortunately. Uh, they've got a few stat pigs in their team. Don't worry about that. <laughs> they just run around just getting might, these real... Might be my new favourite expression. Real, real, che- <laughs> real cheap sort of possessions in the back half and then kick it sideways and... Yep. I don't know. I, I just don't know where they're at at the moment, St Kilda. They, they've just gone from a team that looked really, really promising to a team that looked like they've got absolutely no idea what they're doing when they get the foot in out. Only five marks inside 50 for uh, compared to 13. Oh, and the other thing is they become so so easy to defend against. They just kick it long to King. I mean, he's got two bucks on him. Yep. Just keep kicking it, banging it long to him. It just makes no sense. So... No, they've got to have a good hard look at themselves. I can't see them. Yeah, on that performance, they're not getting anywhere near Carlton on Friday night. If Carlton turn up in any sort of good headspace, they should be too strong for St Kilda. But uh, again, you never know. And no weedering. Well, you'd think no weedering. He might be back next week. But Maxie King, uh, you know, he seems he needs a little bit of help down there. They need Ryder back. They're a completely different team when he's not playing. JJ, who impressed you from a personnel position? We we spoke before about father-son and Jackson Archer making his debut for North Melbourne today. But what wouldn't they give North Melbourne to have Nick Blakey? Son Gee, of John terrific, down there, 31 disposals at 81% efficiency over 500 metres. Um, have you seen him play a better game? No, definitely not. He's 31s. Uh, again, we spoke about that with Sam Walsh. Nick Blakey's 31. Anytime Nick Blakey can, can, can get the footy in his hands, good things happen because he's a kicker. He had 19 kicks last night. He's a metres game guy, and he he's like a few of the Swans boys. They're, they're happy to pull the trigger on kicks back through the middle and 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 kick into small margins. They go for the uh, go for the old car window kicks. But he's a very very good kick. He's a penetrating kick. He backs his speed. He's got real dash. He's a he's a funny looking operator when he uh, goes for a run. But he's got real dash and mm. and and plays the game with real flair. And uh, the Swans have been a little inconsistent at different stages. But when uh, you know the group of of Blakey, uh, Fox, Florent. Uh, young Dylan Stevens was good coming in, a, a former top draft pick who's sort of had to had to wait his time a little bit, had to bide his time. Warner, when all those young guys, Goulden, Robottom, when they play well, the Swans were a really, really dangerous outfit. But because they are young guys, they tend to have down games as well. And when they all have a down game, the Swans tend to struggle. But they were up and about last night. Uh, I didn't see a lot of this game. Isaac Keeney was given the three votes and, and but only only touched the footy eleven times, kicked three goals. But was he was he he must have been damaging outstanding when it, he was eleven. It was really damaging. Uh to Marin McGregor, whoever the hell that is for the for the Herald Sun hasn't got um the lizard in the first six in the best. So I'm not sure what game Tamarin was watching, but Nick Blakey was superb last night and I thought Tom Hickey was important and no no Paddy Paddy Ryder made it really obvious that they are really struggling when they don't have Paddy Ryder playing. And the Paddy Ryder's thirty five. Or 34 or 35. Just a heads up, uh, this is from my man at the Swamp, former CEO of the Swans, Andy Island. Footy, football stadium being rebuilt next door, of course, so the league and union being played on the ground. It is being played on the yeah. ground. Yeah, so Sorry, only JJ. happening whilst the stadium is being redeveloped, so it's finished in September. That's been happening for ages. It has, it has. We were, we were, uh, we were, I remember playing there in 2019 for the Crows and they were, they were building that thing, so it's been a slow burn. Uh, Ryan Clark, the other one who was playing a defensive forward job on Sinclair, he kicked a couple of goals himself. And I just love the stat. If you if you want to know the enormity of the Buddy Franklin career and it hasn't quite just dawned on you yet, the fact that he had more goals combined, <laughs> more goals than the whole yeah, Sinclair outfit team, yeah. combined, that's just a <laughs> magnificent stat. <laughs> Not did. to denigrate the Saints, but just <laughs> to pump up the bud. Uh, he was And he was important again last night, the big man. He's, uh, he'll get himself an extension very shortly and... Uh, 
He'll play into a, his 18th or 9th well, season. P- Pickers, it's your it's your wheelhouse. What's, Why don't you what's hold that thought, JJ, because we've okay. got about 15 seconds left before we have to hit the break. But Listen that's to the it. music, JJ. Come that's, on, tune in. That's it, for no Sunday. <laughs> that's it for Sunday crunch time. Josh Jenkins, thank you. Liam Pickering, Kane Corns, Matty Hill to join us for the broadcast of North Melbourne and Adelaide. It's a big clash, pride on the line, and we'll bring it to you after this. When making the double chicken deluxe at Macca's, we wanted to improve on the perfect combo of tender Aussie chicken with cheese, tomato and aioli. So, we doubled it. Chicken and Macca's together and loving it. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Available after 10.30am for a limited time only.